Welcome to our service of worship of the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. I am the Reverend Megan LeCluse, and along with Dr. Baron Mollis and Andrew Sin and our musicians, we welcome you to our service of worship. A couple upcoming events in the life of our congregation. This Wednesday, our Stewardship of the Earth series will conclude with a conversation with Corinna Gore, and you can register for this conversation on our church website. As a follow-up to this Stewardship of the Earth series, there will be an Earth Walk at the John Hines Wildlife Reserve on May 16th. And again, you can sign up and get more information on the church website. And now I invite you to hear about another upcoming mission opportunity from Andrea Bowman. I'm Andrea Bowman. I'm chair of the Missions Committee for the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia and I'm here to present a minute for mission for our longtime missions partner, Camp Sojourner. Camp Sojourner is a girls' leadership camp, and it provides overnight camping opportunities for girls from Philadelphia, ages eight through 18, and will be doing so this year, although in a modified format. And it also has year-round programs for girls that include mentoring, creative arts, service projects, and leadership activities. And in order to be able to provide that, they rely heavily on their annual fundraiser, the Sojourner Truth Walk, in which our church has regularly participated for years and will, again this year, be having a team. So I wanted to invite you to consider participating in this. It will be Sunday, May 23rd from 1 to 2 p.m. And you can participate virtually or in person, masked. It, it'll be at the Meadow at Bartram's Garden. And if you go to girlsleadershipcamp.org, click on the walk, scroll down, you will see our church logo and you can click right on and join our team. So please consider this not only to support a very good cause, but also as a way to celebrate community, people, accomplishments in the last year, despite adversity, and the dreams that this organization represents and the opportunities that it offers. Thank you. Let us join in our responsive call to worship. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear the Lord. The poor shall eat and be satisfied, those who seek God shall praise the Lord.
friends, if we say that we have no sin, we are strangers to the truth and deceive only ourselves. But God, who is merciful and just, has promised to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So let us confess our sin, first in unison and then in silence, as we make more candid our confessions before our God, who has made us, who knows us, and who loves us. Let us pray. God of mercy, we confess that we have not borne the fruit of the Spirit. We have not loved others as you have loved us. We have denied the promises of baptism and cut ourselves off from you. Forgive us, restore us, that we may abide in your love and live out your mercy. For the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose name we offer our prayers. Amen. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us, Christ rose for us, Christ reigns in power for us, Christ even prays for us. So, beloved, believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, in the 15th chapter. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Confession. I am not a wine connoisseur. Sure, I enjoy the occasional glass of a dark red, a Merlot or a Cab, but I could not hold my own if you wanted to get into a conversation comparing notes or forward tastes or any of that jazz. And I wouldn't be good at talking about pairings either. I think I've only been wine tasting once in my life. Also, it's only been more recently that I have started to kind of eat grapes, not really liking them especially, but eating them. Some of you are probably more versed in grapes, definitely more versed in wine than I am. And so this passage may have even greater meaning for you. Because while I don't know a lot about wine, I do know that a lot goes into growing grapes and the varietals that lead to the incredible array of wines that exist. I know that the imagery Jesus is using is incredible incredibly rich, and we will unpack it. But I also want to offer another metaphor that I think gets at the same thing, in the hope that one or both of these images help us to live our lives in Christ. In the early 2000s, Pastor Rob Bell created a series of videos that were like short sermons, 10 to 12 minutes, reflecting on a theme. One of these videos, called Rhythm, features musicians playing a song. And while they play, Bell talks about God using the metaphor of a song. A song that has been playing since the beginning of time. A song that we live in or out of tune with. He talks about Jesus showing us what living in tune with the song of God looks like. 
Having, growing, having grown up playing music, this image resonates with me. And having played piccolo in a marching band, I can attest to the absolute cringeworthiness of things being out of tune, either amongst the piccolo section I was in or amongst the trumpets I spent four years in college standing directly in front of. Tuning matters. Over the years when I have watched this video, Rhythm, with college students, one of the questions that they tend to ask every time is how we know whether we are living in tune with the song, with God, or not. It's a good question for us to consider. Our instinct might be to point towards people's actions, to their good deeds, but I think that skips over what Bell is actually talking about and a significant part of what today's passage is talking about. Because in a sense, our actions are the fruits that we bear. But being in tune is about abiding in Christ, tending to the plant, which in this case is us, so that we have the energy, the nutrients, the capacity to bear good fruit. Part of my answer when the students ask this question of how do we know if we are in tune is that sometimes I find it easier to know if I'm not in tune. When I'm not in tune, I feel more stressed and overwhelmed. I find myself being shorter, snippier with others. There's a need to just get done what needs to get done and therefore a lack of openness to creativity or ideas. There's more frustration, less joy, less seeing the beauty in the everyday. People get on my nerves quicker. In music, it doesn't take much for some instruments to get out of tune. A change in temperature or how you're holding it or have your mouth positioned the amount of air support you are providing. Life happens and we get out of tune too. Typically, a couple of adjustments gets an instrument back into tune. But why does it seem like sometimes we stay out of tune with God for quite some time? It seems that at the root of this, when we feel out of tune, when we feel like we aren't producing good fruit, it's a sign that we aren't abiding in Christ. Abiding is not a word that we use very often. I'm not sure the last time I used that in conversation. But it's really just this fantastic word, so short and yet so packed with meaning. The words used to define abide include linger, and they all have this sense of an almost slowness to them, a sense of lasting. They also include to sojourn, tarry, to be held, kept, continually. The image Jesus uses in this passage is of a vine and branches, 
rich, organic images of an intimate connection, of being grafted together. In order to abide in Christ, to live in tune with Christ, we sometimes have to slow down. One of the challenges can be that when we get out of sorts, it can feel hard to justify pausing, slowing down, to dedicate time to our relationship with God. In all kinds of situations, from busy family life to work projects to midterms and finals, it is so common to hear people say that they don't even have time to take a short break. But when we do, when we stop and just take a couple breaths, when we step outside of that immediate situation and connect with God, things normally begin to at least a little bit correct themselves. We have to stop, to pause, slow down, if we truly want to abide in God. The branches must literally rely upon the vine for support, or else they will die. And the vine needs the branches in order to bear the fruit, in order to offer its goodness. Jesus says he will abide in us if we abide in him. Abiding in Christ is about living in Christ all the time. There is a mutuality and a sense that even when we struggle, the vine can provide us with all the strength that we need. Jesus shared these words with his disciples because he knew that they were struggling, that they were scared of what was to come, uncertain of what a future without Jesus being physically with them would look like. This passage is part of what is sometimes called the farewell discourse. Jesus is speaking these words as they sit together for the last meal they will share before the crucifixion on what we call Monday Thursday. He has washed their feet, and now he is talking to them about what is to come, how he must leave them, at least in the physical sense. This passage is meant as a reassurance that no matter what happens, Jesus will still be with them if they abide in him as he will abide in them. As the Salt blog puts it, the enduring connection with his disciples, Jesus insists, will be so organic and integral, that separation is virtually unthinkable. The disciples' very lives will be signs of that connection, just as the life and fruit of a branch are signs of its ongoing connection to its vine. We may each have our own ways of abiding. Some are able to fully live their lives in Christ. And that is a beautiful and compelling thing when we see it. 
Many of us need to create some space for ourselves, though, with practices where we intentionally and intentionally acknowledge and strengthen the connection with Jesus and with God. At times this past year, the changing realities of life during a pandemic have sometimes made it more challenging to figure out what abiding might look like right now. Some of the practices we might have had, like gathering it together on a Sunday morning to worship in person, have no longer been accessible to us. Physical distancing sometimes left us feeling disconnected from the people who remind us what God's love in our lives looks like. Being at home with family 24-7 sometimes left us wondering how to find even a moment of time for ourselves or to connect with God in a quiet space. This has been one of the major challenges of the past year. In the midst of the world feeling turned upside down, we had to rethink some of the very things that kept us grounded and centered, that keep us in God. Jesus reminds us that when we need strength, we need to turn to God, even if we have to do it in ways that may feel different and new. Because this passage also reminds us that where we seek our strength from, will show in the type of fruit we produce, will show in the ways we join in God's song. One of the things this past year has also done is reveal a lot to us about the ways things were working or were not working. It has given us a chance to start pruning in hopes that there will be new growth, better growth. And I hope this is work we are able to continue. Viticulture, growing and tending grapes, is a true art form. And someday I should probably attend a seminar to better understand the ins and outs of it. I know it would benefit my reading of scripture. What I do understand is that the pruning in this passage isn't meant to be a scare tactic, a threat, a do it this way or you're out. It is about God shaping us to be the people we are meant to be, to get rid of what will keep us from bearing good fruit and to allow us to produce more abundantly. Pruning, writes one commentary, means cutting away for the sake of new and greater growth, more fruit, more abundance, more life. It's clear, they continue, that Jesus' focus in John 15 is not on banishing the barren, but rather on helping each and every branch to bear fruit. Abide in me, as I abide in you. Some scholars believe that when Moses asked God who he should tell Pharaoh sent him, the answer God gives is the sound of breath. Breathe in, breathe out. When we breathe in and breathe out, 
We are breathing God's name. We are saying God's name. We are abiding in God. There are all kinds of practices that help us abide in God, abide in Christ. And they are good and helpful. But it's also as, sim as simple as thinking about our breath, which inherently forces us to slow down. Jesus doesn't promise his disciples that the road ahead will be easy. He promises to be with them and that this will allow them to bear much fruit. It will allow them to be in tune with God's song. 2020 held many challenges for us. 2021 has too. And while they may be different, so will every coming year. Scripture tells us that each day has enough challenges of its own. And if we abide in God, we can get through them and bear good fruit. Breathe in. Breathe out. Abide. Amen. Let us confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. What do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, freely we have received from God, so freely let us return to God our tithes and our offerings.
let us unite our hearts and our minds in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, who calls us and receives us, who loves us and upholds us, who gives us gifts of spiritual nourishment through your Holy Spirit. We know of your love and mercy from all of the ways you have shown us, from the goodness of creation to your redemption of the same. You have demonstrated your surpassing holiness more than our minds can fathom. And though we but see in a mirror dimly, we know of wonderful goodness that is to come when we know fully and are fully known. Until that time, keep us in our holy calling. Remind us of the unfinished work that remains, work for which you have given us the gifts we need. Remind us of the needs of the world that exceed our own. Where we have sown indifference to a hurting world, give us yet again the desire to live up to our calling. Help us to know how to live differently than we have lived, how to focus our discipleship where you would have it be. Help us to live our lives as a witness to the living Christ and to do so in such a way that offers glory to you. We pray for our leaders. Gracious God, perhaps we overburden our leaders with expectations, but those expectations arise from knowing the needs of our community. We worry about economic uncertainty. We fear unemployment. We expect to be kept safe. And we take all of the needs for all of these things and lay them on our leaders. It is a heavy burden, and so we pray that you will guide them, that they may carry it with grace and with commitment for the common good. We offer prayers as you command us for the sick, for the poor, for the outcast and the marginalized, for the homebound and the lonely. We pray for victims of gun violence and all forms of violence. We pray for all who practice the healing arts as we still fight the pandemic. We pray for your holy church. We conclude our prayers using the words taught us by one faithful to his calling as only he could be, our risen Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
breathe out. Abide in God. Abide in Christ. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you this day and always. Amen.